Hey guys, Chris Avery with you on a week 14 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view from Jacksonville, courtesy of Jags beat writer John Reed of the Florida Times Union. Also a bit later, our Beat Writers Roundtable, featuring Jeff Miller of the LA Times, Jason Hirshhorn of Sports Illustrated, and Daniel Popper of The Athletic. But first, Chargers radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah. All right, here with Daniel Jeremiah. And DJ, going into week 14, 4-8 wasn't the record I think we were expecting from this team. The tough thing is just the losses. Everything, yeah. seven points or fewer. It's crazy. I think, is the point differential, I believe, still like plus three, I want to say, for the season? Yes. 4-8 and eight with a plus three point differential. Is that? I don't know if that's ever been done before. I don't know. Because I looked at I looked at some of the point differential of teams at the bottom of their division. It's a lot different. <laughs> yeah, plus three. No kidding. It just team that finds itself themselves in every single football game. That's what the Chargers have done, and it's come down to kind of those critical moments, critical plays, and and it's been a variety of things. I mean, I and I was actually on the phone with a, a buddy that's a coach at, at the University of North Carolina, and uh, I was telling him about this how bizarre this Charger season is with you know five just crazy losses. Uh, the way they've taken place, and then he and I was talking to the absolutely wrong person because he said they have like twelve games this year that have all have all come down to like the final two minutes, like the first time in college football since nineteen thirty eight or something that they've been in. And I said, okay, so you're the one person that I can't, <laughs> you know, the, of all the I can't complain. I can talk yeah, to. I talked to you, of course, I bring it up with you, um, but no, it's been. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, frustrating. I mean, I guess is the word that you would use because it's not a four and eight football team that. But they are what they are. That's the old Bill Parcells thing. Says you are what your record says you are. But man, it's uh, doesn't feel when you when you see them trot out for warmups and you you see them compete and battle. It doesn't it doesn't look like a four and eight team. But in the in those you know key moments in the football game, they just haven't been able to get it done. You look at the last five years, and obviously the Chargers have been a lot of these games where they just it hasn't gone their way. But I looked to last year. They were winning it all did. of these games. And Let's I think, go. Let, hold on, because yeah. I'm glad you said that. Because I want to. I want to remind people of that because I think the whole narrative of it's, uh, it's the Chargers is kind of like what you say about Clemson back in the day. You kind of find a way to find a way to screw it up. And I'm like, well, hold on. Last year you win in, in in London against Tennessee and a crazy ending to that football game. The comeback crazy wins against Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Um, Seattle. They, Seattle was another one. So I mean, you had San all Francisco. This, there was a lot of them. A DJ. ton of them. Yeah. And they all. And in hindsight, maybe we should have been more aware and realized that okay law of averages these things all swung your way in 18 you're down you're bound to have a couple of them go the other way but man it's 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 enough we get the message yeah, you know we do you go 12 and 4 last year and the losses at the beginning of the year were to the chiefs and the rams and yeah. it's it just seemed like every single close game they won so it's funny to see like oh the chargers they've been doing this for you know since coach Lynn has been here 9 and 7 12 and 4 obviously it hasn't gone their way and I think it's really just all three phases just have not been on the same page. You go back to that Green Bay game. I think that yeah. was the one game this year. It clicked. Where everything clicked, right? Yeah. And that's that shows you what the potential is of this football team. Um, and then, you know, look, you, you have the injuries. They are what they are. Uh, that's what made last week's game so perplexing is to, you know, have the offensive line be about as healthy as it's been in a long time. Uh, to bring Derwin James back, and and he was impactful. Uh, whatever the stats sheet says, ignore it because he was flying around and and was very disruptive. Like right uh, off the rip, he was yeah, blitzing on that third down, right, yeah. right, right away, and so he made his impact felt. And you you, you know don't have you don't have I almost said Derek Thomas you don't have Lamar you know why am I I'm I'm so tired what's his name here <laughs> give me his name. Von Miller. Von Miller. Von Miller doesn't play. I, we just did a thing on NFL Network where we were talking about omissions from this uh, top uh, top 100 players thing, and I was I really hammered the Derek Thomas. So I've got Derek Thomas uh, on my brain right now. So, yes. anyways, yeah, Von Miller doesn't play. You get all these guys back. You're starting a rookie quarterback in Drew Locke. Like, man, okay, this is this is everything's pointing in your direction, and then you get that wild ending. So, yeah, and the defense it, it clamped down, but but. Drew Locke, I don't think he was sacked. Was he sacked? No, no sacks. Yeah. yeah. And they did a good job of moving him around a little bit. And, and you also give their offensive line. Really, the last two or three weeks, the Denver offensive line had played better. Mm-hmm. Um, so they continued that last week. The last four weeks of the season, I think getting Darwin back and Adrian Phillips back, guys that you know are going to be here and, and have an impact on this team. You know, Drew Tranquil, who we're going to talk yeah. about today, he had three tackles for loss. So, Trying to see the development of some of these guys in their second, third year as we get into 2020. It's still a really exciting nucleus, you know, going forward. There is a lot of talent, and I think, again, we've, we've talked about some bizarre numbers. How about Mike Williams? 
what he's about done. To talk to you about back to back weeks, uh, phenomenal games, but hasn't hasn't found his way into the end zone. That's one of the more bizarre statistics when you look at his production. It, it, okay, so he. He leads the NFL in yards per catch, I think 20.9. <laughs> Over the last four weeks, let me just pull this up because it's pretty remarkable. The fact that he doesn't have a touchdown this yeah. year. He has catches of over the last four games, catches of 56, 46, 45, 26, 50, 52, <laughs> and 38. Yeah. And then I have to go down pro football reverence. I get to the 27th ranked receiver yeah. to find a receiver without a touchdown. Crazy. And, and Mike Williams has all these splash plays, no yeah. touchdowns, eleven total last year. DJ, yeah, it's insane. It's just one of those weird. It's one of those weird numbers. But I, I think in saying that, you've seen the progression of him and, and how he continues to grow and develop. And just another example of, you know, like you mentioned, Drew Tranquil. We've seen Chen Nwosu flies around, make some plays. Um, these first, second, third, fourth year players that are going to be your nucleus going forward. It's loaded. It's a it's a loaded group. Um, so I still think as frustrating as this year is. The benefit is you're going to get a rather high pick. You get a chance to add to that young core, and hopefully next year some of those balances will go the other way. I was looking at Austin Eckler's numbers this year too. And you go back to 2017, I think 27 running backs were drafted. Only from that class, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones have more total touchdowns than Eckler. How about that? So to see what he has done, and I know that Melvin wasn't here at the beginning of the year, but even with Melvin there, in fewer touches too, he only has 173 touches this year. How efficient he is when he has the football in his hands, is something that this team can use moving forward. I've said it in the past. Um, you know, there's not 10 running backs in the NFL that can do what Austin Eckler can do, and I would adjust that and amend that and say maybe maybe not even five. In the passing game, there's not five running backs that can do everything he does. Yeah. as a route runner. What he does after the catch, he's just a weapon. So um, he's really one of the special playmakers in the entire league that even with the numbers that he's posting, the touchdown numbers from a national standpoint, you don't hear his name often enough and um, you know I, I would imagine he's somebody that's going to be a part of this core group going forward for a long time this Jags team's four and eight Gardner Minshew under center what did you think of Gardner coming out of college and I know that he was benched in favor of Foles and now he's back in the fold but uh, what he did in the starts that he had in 2019 well I went I went back to uh, to my college report on Gardner Minshew and I used the exact phrase we talked about it once he was picked that he was uh, Baker Mayfield light. That's who I compared him to. So, you know, he's somebody that brings energy. Uh, I'm big on that. I think we see that. You see it with a guy like Derwin James, um, what he does for the Chargers defense and bringing that energy. You get that with Minshew on the offensive side of the ball. He's one of those guys almost makes coffee nervous. You know, he's so he's so energetic. And uh, you live with some of the mistakes, but they're always aggressive mistakes. He can extend plays. Arm is good enough. Doesn't have a huge arm, but good enough. You know, I was around him the entire week down there at the Senior Bowl, and he was like everybody's favorite guy. Oh, know? yeah. It, well, people he, just flock to him. He's he's dressed in these wild clothes. Oh, yeah. I was in an elevator with him at the Senior Bowl one yeah. time, and he just couldn't be nicer, you know? But he's, oh, he's, he's a great dude. He's, just, he's got this, like, uh, this kind of energy and aura around him that you kind of want to be around the guy like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling through my notes here as we're talking. I'm trying to find because uh, I've got my pre-draft notes on him here. I'll, I'll find it. You it, got it, time, it, man. I mean, yeah, just whatever. Talk, yeah, just, just, keep, just keep talking on talking. this radio. Oh, here day. we go. I found it. Here we go. Gardner Minshew. Uh, so he was six oh oh seven. It's a little over six feet, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Ran a four nine seven. Um, I said he's a point guard. He's a poor man's Baker Mayfield. Frenetic energy, very accurate. He's got a quick mind. Uh, average arm, and my comparison was Scott Skiles. Remember him? Scott, the old oh yeah. point guard, Scott oh yeah. Skiles? Orlando Magic, yes. the Bullets. Yes, yeah. Yeah. that's who he reminds me of. Scott Skiles played with passion and energy. Maybe not the most talented guy in the world, but spunky and, and uh, competitive. Skiles and was the definition of. of a guy that you hated if you played against him. Great call. But, but you loved him if he was on your totally team. Totally a slap-the-floor guy. <laughs> totally on defense. Yes. He was the guy slapping the floor. He was. Yeah. He was the guy slapping the floor. Do they even do that anymore? Maybe in Duke. I don't know if Duke Woj was and Marquette, well, I don't that's know if they got, right. if they got that going. Bobby Hurley was big, Hurley slap was, the floor guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think you got to stop doing cheesy, that It's kind of cheesy, right? Now. A little cheesy now. I remember being, you remember though in high school, like there are kids that did that in high school. I think I probably did. Yeah. Maybe slap you the floor, a slap the floor guy? I don't know. I was, a, I was a I was a four five, so I, I, no, I wasn't really I think, at the top I think, of the Yeah, I think you got to be playing high. I think you've got to be a, you know, a guard to be up there slapping the floor. I don't think you can be a power forward <laughs> slapping the floor. It's going to look a little, hey, why don't you just guard, why don't you just try and protect the post? Stop slapping the floor down there, Chris. <laughs> DJ, these last four games, what do you want to see from this Chargers team? And, you know, as someone who's been in the league, when you know that the playoffs aren't going to be a possibility, how does the evaluation process start? And, and 
I know you start thinking ahead to 2020, yeah. maybe getting some guys in that, that you want to see be at their best next season. I think there's uh, there's an evaluation component that can come into it. You know, obviously you're still trying to win football games, trying to put your best foot forward to win football games, but I also think this is a – this is a great opportunity, and it's not wholesale, but I would say, you know, you sprinkle in some younger guys, going to get a little more work and, um, and and put them in maybe in some different situations, um, see what they can give you. So I always look at when, the you know, you mathematically it, it doesn't look good for you. You kind of find out who you're, you know, the guys you can rely on going forward in terms of just that core competitiveness. Yeah. You know, they're different uh, successful teams come in all different shapes and sizes. One thing they all have in common is they're, they have a full, chock full of ultra-competitive individuals. And um, you just want to make sure nobody packs it in. You want to see who's going to fight, who's going to scratch and claw, and who's going to give you that type of competitive effort. Austin, speaking of Austin, we talked about him after the game. He said, listen, man, this is what we do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, this is a brotherhood. So if, like, there's no sort of pack-in mentality no. when, when you're in the NFL. It, it just can't be that way. Yeah, and look, it's nobody wants to hear it, but there is a little joy in spoiling somebody else's season, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that down the stretch. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is what you do for a living. It's your livelihood. Have some pride and go out there and put your best foot forward, play with fanatical effort, and let the chips fall where they may. It's, um, you know, it's it's, it's weird to say it. I know this team's not looking like they're going to go into the postseason. Future's bright, and that is not, you know, that's not just rose-colored glasses. There's a lot of young talent on this football team and more opportunities for them to play and grow together as we finish up. Talk about guys like Nazir Adderley, who we just didn't see this year. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Tillery, who is, you know, each and every week, you hope he continues to progress on that defensive line. Yeah. And then a whole new draft class in 2020. So you couple all that. And, and the success that last year's class had, I think, can carry over over these yeah. next two seasons as well. Guys like Justin Jackson, uh, Justin Jones, yep. Chen and Nwosu. Obviously, it's we haven't seen group. Darwin. It's yeah. a great group that you can really win with in yeah. 2020. No doubt. And I think the, you know, this this most recent draft class, you know, sometimes it, it, you have injuries, you have some development, it takes some time. Um, but they're, you know, you're very hopeful going into the future. You're going to see these guys take the next step with a full off season as they come into next year. And you know, look, you get a chance. Who knows what this pick ends up being? There's a chance this is a you know it's going to be a top 15 pick. Maybe it's even a top 10 pick. Yeah. So you're going to have a chance to get a really impactful player there in the first round, and and uh, hopefully able to nail everything else as you go through. I'd love to talk draft with you right now. We'll wait till 2020. Okay. There's there's a lot of I'm digging in, man. <laughs> I know I'm you in, are. I'm I know in you're it. getting in, in college in mode. Actually, you know what? Just give me a, a, an overall snapshot into 2020. Sure. It is um, absolutely loaded wide receiver class. Absolutely loaded offensive tackle class, which is is great to see for a lot of teams around the league um, trying to upgrade at that position. Um, you look at the quarterback position, I don't think it's incredibly deep. Some intriguing guys, obviously, we talk about Burrow and, and Tua, and then you've got Herbert, who's intriguing. Um, you've got Jordan Love, we'll see what he does out of Utah State. You've got Jake Fromm. So um, I don't think it's where we've seen the last three or four years with some of those guys, but it's a, it's a, it's a good group there at the top. Um, you go over the defensive side of the ball, loaded at corner. Um, you've got a couple premier players on the defensive line. I don't, I haven't gotten into that group to the depth of it yet to be able to tell you about that. Um, but running back wise, loaded. Um, mm. So I mean, I think look the way college football is right now, skill positions you're going to see them every year. If so if you need a skill guy, no problem. The, the challenge is finding the bigs. And this year, what encourages me is it is a great group at offensive tackle. It's good to know for the Chargers, too. Absolutely. So you'll get a chance. They'll get a chance not only, uh, you know, picking round one, and from what I've seen, this tackled class, you know, rounds three and four, you're going to get starter caliber players. So as the season winds down for most people, you are just getting started. Cranking up, man. And I don't need, I mean, I've got my, my tea here, but I really don't need caffeine because this is like, you know, Christmas is coming up at the end of the month, but this is my Christmas. Every morning. Every morning I'm opening up new presents. I get to see some of these new guys. And, uh, you know, some of them I've heard reviews on, you know, and it's like you get a toy when you're a kid, you know, it's supposed to be the best toy ever. And then you open it up, this toy sucks. <laughs> but then there's the other one that say, you know, I don't know, that toy's, and I, I love this toy. It's my favorite it's, toy. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do every day. Awesome. Well, DJ, we'll see you in Jacksonville, buddy. Appreciate the time. Thanks, bud. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it say to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate no fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, 
reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, guys, to get this week's Opposing View, presented by Mercury Insurance, we bring in John Reed of the Florida Times Union. And, John, Chargers coming to Jacksonville. Both teams 4-8, and eight, not ideal, going into December. Uh, no. <laughs> by, by not any stretch. And from the Jaguar standpoint, you know, four straight losses. His um, team hadn't won since um, late October. Um, we had a quarterback switch and, and change going back to Garner Minshew. So there's a lot of things in motion, and one of the motions is not winning. So these guys are trying to do whatever they can to at least, you know, try to understand what winning is, uh, at least feel it. <laughs> it's been a while. That's right. Their last two wins went back-to-back October 20th and 27th against the Bengals and the Jets, and you mentioned it. You, you didn't win in November uh, what are they saying about the Chargers coming to town? A talented team like the Jaguars, a lot of close losses for the Chargers. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, the first name come to mind is Phillip Rivers. He's he's had a lot of success over the years against this franchise. And just, you know, I mean, I think that's uh, something that um, Coach Marone talked about, are just those, those two ends you got there, Boza and um, Ingram. I mean, I think the – Probably the weakest point of this team right now is their offensive line with the Jaguars, and particularly those, you know, um, Jawan Taylor, rookie right um, tackle, didn't particularly have a good game, and uh, Cam Robinson didn't have a particular good game against Tampa Bay. So, uh, that's definitely an area of concern about that pass rush. And, um, you know, another thing about the Chargers, they you know, I don't know what's going on this season, but, you know, they have that history of having that explosive offense. And, um, you know, Melvin Gordon, I mean, explosive running back. And you look at those two receivers they have, I mean, Keenan Allen, is, you know, I feel one of the best. So mm-hmm. they got their hands full. And, you know, this this this, this team has had a problem, uh, but it had a multiple of problems. But one of the problems, has been um, stopping the run. And even though Tampa Bay didn't utilize that a lot, you know, you go over the, the three losses before Tampa Bay, they were given, they gave up 699-yard rushing. So that's definitely a concern, particularly with an explosive back like Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler as well, that, that one-two punch, that matchup against that Jags defense is going to be interesting. But I want to go to the Jaguars and, and the offensive side of the ball. John, what went into bringing Gardner Minshew back, and is he going to be the starter for the the rest of the season? Yeah, that's what uh, Coach Marone indicated Monday, and just uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Nick Foles, a guy who had so much success, particularly at Philadelphia, Super Bowl MVP, but it just seems like just it, it hadn't really clicked here in, in those three starts that he had. I think in Philly, you had more of a he definitely had more talent around him than he has here in Jacksonville. And, you know, his mobility was a problem in the pocket, couldn't get out of danger. And um, and I think that prompted the the change. You know, you looked at Garner Minshew, he can, he can scramble, he can extend plays. And um, it just didn't see that from, from Nick. And, 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 you know, coming in, I mean, he's a pocket passer. He's not changed in any way from what he's been in the past but with this offensive line and the, and the talent level I mean, uh, the, the Jaguars have had problems with receivers getting separation and and it just doesn't look he just hadn't been in a in a rhythm and a flow since he returned from the collarbone injury and um, they feel that Garner Minshew can can do a little bit more create you know create more opportunities for them. I mean, particularly, you know, uh, his scrambling ability, throwing on the run, those are the things that they – and right now, to be honest with you, they, they're just looking for anything. I mean, this team is just – I mean, I, I really think Coach Marone has kind of run out of answers a little bit, and they're just trying to find something to spark the offense because the offense has definitely been a been a problem, you know, particularly not scoring enough points in the first half. I mean, they were shut out 25 to nothing in, in the first half against Tampa Bay that um, prompted that, that switch at quarterback. And 
Nick Foles. He had three turnovers on the first three possessions of the game. So, uh, you know, just trying to create a spark, I think, kind of led to Coach Marone's decision. And it just hadn't, just, I don't know what, I think, you know, you, you look at Nick Foles, he, he got hurt after the first 10 plays in, the, in that opening game <clears throat> against Kansas City. He was out for eight weeks and, you know, coming back, he did have a chance to practice before he returned um, against the Colts. Uh, but it just, I, I don't know. I just don't think he has that flow with this team, and I don't think there's enough talent around him that really allow him to be the Nick Foles that that, that that more, you know, people are familiar with. I don't think they have the receivers. I don't think they have the offensive line, and, and obviously it's been a problem here. Well, you know what? The energy – that Gardner Minshew brought to this team at the beginning of the year, that Minshew mania, you know, they they beat the Titans, <laughs> yeah. they they beat the Broncos. Um, it kind of came crashing down, I think, in London, right, when, when they lost to the Texans. Yeah. But I, I look at his stats, John, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions, a, a 91 quarterback rating. Uh, what is it about this guy? Daniel Jeremiah, I just spoke to him about Gardner Minshew, and he was going through his notes. He kind of called him like a, a Baker Mayfield light, someone who brings a lot of energy, he's got some mobility, and, uh, you know, it seems like his teammates kind of gravitate towards him. Yeah, I mean, he's a different type of guy, a different personality. He got a, a good, you know, the guys on this team really like him. I mean, here's a guy who was playing scout team reps after starting eight games, and and wanting to have extra reps in practice to work on his um, red zone completion rate and those kind of things. He's just a different guy. I mean, when they um, told him the decision that they were going back to Nick Foles, I mean, Coach Marone indicated that he was upset. You know, like, like he didn't take that news well. He, he, he wanted to continue to start. And the things that he does, I mean, he he, he got quick speed. I mean, he, he he got great pocket awareness to get out of trouble. I mean, when when I first saw him in preseason, he started three games in preseason, three of the four games in preseason, and didn't lead his team to a touchdown drive <laughs> in any of those three games that he started in. You know, we're saying, well, you know, I guess he'd be okay as a backup, but we had no way, no, no, no way that this kid looked like he was going to come in and step in the way he did, win, win four games out of the eight games started, and I mean, he just, I mean, I, I think that he, he he plays with no fear. Um, he's definitely, he's his accuracy is is, is real good. I mean, and, and his ability to pick up things has been one of the, the, the things that Coach Marone and his coaching staff has, have raised about that he, you know, he pick, picks up things from the meeting room and take it out there on the practice field. And I think that really helped them early in the, in, in the season. And, um, and he's just a guy who's just been through a whole lot, you know, transferred different schools. <laughs> that <laughs> guy right. that said he broke his hand to, 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 to continue his eligibility and, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, it just, he's just a rare type of, of fella. And he just got this type of, um, with the Jacksonville fans, they kind of see him as, you know, not like this untouchable football player, but someone that, that looks like, you know, just, just seems like a normal guy. He's yeah. like a construction job worker. <laughs> so blue he collar. Relate to, <laughs> yeah, like a blue collar worker. And I think that, you know, resonates with, with their fan base. And it's just the things that he says, his mannerisms, uh, it's just his wit. And, you know, he, he likes to wear shorts, the jean shorts and those kind of things. I mean, he just, uh, I mean, he's got a, a great sense of humor, but he's serious about, uh, you know, excelling as a quarterback. And I just think that the fan base here is really, taking hold of someone that just seems to be different. Mississippi, you know, their mustache, you know, it's just there's a persona about him that uh, resonates. And it also resonates with his teammates, man. They they, they enjoy playing when, when he's out there on the field. You know, with Minshew, he had that game where he struggled. Do you think it was just a matter mm-hmm. of, hey, we, we gave Nick Foles this contract. 
Nick Foles is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Let's see what he has now that he's healthy. Because usually when you have a rookie quarterback, you're gonna have ups and downs, right? And you know, sometimes you gotta play through those ups and downs. It seems like if Foles wasn't on this roster, they probably would have ridden with Minshew a little bit further as opposed to going back to Nick. I agree with that. I mean, he definitely, you know, six round pick playing like a first round draft pick. And uh, I think that decision was, was made on here's Nick Foles. He's coming back from the injury. I mean, he's got $50 million in guaranteed money and signed a four year, $88 million contract. And I think that that prompted the decision a little bit that we need to see, we need to get him in the lineup and we need to see what he can do to help us. And uh, I don't know if that may, the hindsight is always hindsight. Maybe that may not have been the the best decision, you know, Uh, because, you know, he did have a bad game. I will say this in London, they played Houston. They they, they really got shut out in that game 26 to three. And I think that, uh, he had two fumbles in that game, Minshew, and um, struggled a little bit. And one of the problems has has been fumbles. He, he, he's fumbled eleven times, and he's lost seven of seven of those fumbles. And mm-hmm. um, and he's he's had a problem getting them in the end zone in the red zone. You know that's that's well that's been a problem for Nick Foles too. But I, I think that when you look at his body of work and how much he's progressed from 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 training camp to the preseason. To coming in and, and having a four a four and four record as a starter, I mean, I think that um, you know he would have learned as he went on, and and maybe they would have had a better record than what they had now. They would have stuck with him, but it looked like they're going to stick with him now. And uh, and 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 I think he, I mean, I think long term, I mean, this 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 has been a franchise that's, that's not had a lot of consistency at quarterback. Obviously, you know if we five seasons with Blake Bortles and it was a very up and down situation in his career here in Jacksonville. And you look at someone like a, like a Minshew who you, 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 you mean, he obviously he's, he has a, a, a high upside, great potential. He get the ball downfield, doesn't have like a rocket arm and don't have the strongest arm, but he can read defenses. He can get the open receiver. He make plays that he has thin plays and, um, I, I think this kid is going to be someone to see the quarterback, and then I don't know what changes might happen after the season, but I think he's here for the long term, and, and, and that's not something I can say about Nick Foles. So I think they 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 found a gem in the draft, and um, I think when you have a gem like that, you gotta you know you have to go through the rough patch, you gotta go through the good patch, and you. You got to let they, let him grow as a as a quarterback, but I think they found the quarterback. You just got to be patient with. Him. You know, John, it's amazing how quickly things can change in the NFL. The Chargers won twelve games last year. Two years ago, the Jaguars were less than a quarter away from going to the Super Bowl, and I just remember thinking about all these blue chip players on the defense, and you know, talking to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, talking about the guys like Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey yeah. and, and you know and Dockway, all these guys who made up a punishing defense. Now that Jalen Ramsey isn't there, um, there's some other guys that aren't there anymore. What do you think the biggest difference is on this Jaguars defense compared to even last year or two years ago? Yeah, I I, I think that, I mean, the linebackers is the weakest spot on this football team. I mean, Miles Jack, they moved him to middle linebacker. I I don't think that's his best position. I mean, it's a lot of missed tackles. They 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 get blocked out. They over pursue. They don't have gap control on the on the defensive front. I think there's been a urge to get the sack, but not, but not a urge to just play disciplined football and stay in your gap and be patient. And um, I, I I mean it's remarkable to I mean to see this team in two seventeen and they were elite. Elite defense, no question. And they go to Pittsburgh and come away with a win, you know, forcing turn takeaways and those kind of things. And, and now it just seemed like that defense of two years ago is just a shell of, of what it was, you know, now, you know. And I just, I mean, they just, I mean, the fundamentals seem to be lost. And, 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 and you know, even in the, in the back, end of the things they, they've had problems with the safeties. I, I, you know, the bottom line is, is I think they allow too much of the talent to leave because of salary cap situations. I mean, Tayshawn, 
Gibson was a key part of that defense at that safety spot, and they 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 waved him. And the Puzz was a was a leader in the middle, and can't stop a guy from 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 retiring. But I mean his his presence, his leadership, was, yeah. has been missed. And then you have abruptly like Calvin Smith, he was pretty good player. I mean definitely on that two seventeen team, and just abruptly retires. And you you know you you lose pieces you know even Jalen Ramsey you you, and he, you know there was a, a big problem here this season with him and and, and his commitment to, to want, not wanting to be in Jacksonville but you lost a guy that you could put on a, in single coverage and and you didn't have to worry about it yeah let him <laughs> and go you just yeah you just continued to lose good good players and and not replacing those good players with other good players. You know, Marcel, I think he's, he, you know, he's on injured reserve and um, out for the rest of the season. But, you know, he was a, a, one of their top run stoppers. And they hadn't had him for, you know, since October, you know. So losing key pieces, you know, whether you have that reputation as a defense, but if you don't have those playmakers, you don't win. You don't. You don't. You 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 can't be elite defense. And I think that's what this team. Now, Josh Allen. I mean, I think Josh Allen is is. Uh, I mean, is it a, I think he's amazing, remarkable, talented, young, a, a rookie. But man, you, you got to have a little bit more than than Josh. You got to have a little bit more than Calais Campbell. I think he's kind of regressed a little bit. You know, from 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 the. From the way he played two two seasons ago, Yannick is still Yannick getting in that and on the edge and those kind of things. But I think the biggest problem has been the linebackers. They just have not been consistent. Miles Jack has struggled, and and they can't stop the run. I mean, bottom line. John, we'll get you out of here on this. Two years ago, both these teams played to the wire in 2017 yeah. in Jacksonville. What do you think is going to decide this one on Sunday? <laughs> well. I think what's going to decide is if if the, if the Jaguars are going to sh- are they going to show up defensively? I mean, I think that's the bottom line. I mean, I I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It hadn't happened in in weeks. Mm. And I to me, I just think I know the Chargers have had a whole lot of problems, you know, and those kind of things. But I just think when you look at your offense and the, and the explosiveness of, of of your offense and a veteran quarterback to go into that mix. I think you got too many weapons there for a real and, you know, this team is struggling defensively and I don't think they can stop all that firepower. And I, 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 you know, I I just think there's no answers here to stop what's going on right now defensively. And I think they're going to have problems with your offense. So I, I, I don't see it much different from, from Tampa Bay to Indianapolis to, to um to to their previous other losses, I just think that the defense is the problem, and I don't think you can get it fixed in a week. And I I don't think they can stop that stop their offense, and and I don't think they have enough right now to to, to get in a shootout with uh, with the Chargers. So I I don't I don't think that that losing streak is gonna gonna end this Sunday here, even though they're playing here at home. Well, we'll see. You know, you look at this game in September. Some folks thought that. This could have some playoff implications. Obviously, that's not the yeah. case. But nonetheless, John, I look forward to seeing you in Jacksonville. You do great work covering the Jags and appreciate all the great insight for Chargers fans here today. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. All right, guys, these are always fun for me. Beat Writers Roundtable, Jeff Miller, LA Times, Jason Hirshhorn, Sports Illustrated. Debut on the roundtable. How are you, buddy? I've just been waiting, waiting for this opportunity. Yeah. Wait, what about my introduction? I was getting to you. I, I was getting to this guy. He's, wow. he's cutting it Holy off already. Cow. He doesn't even understand that you're setting it up for the big After thing. A, uh, a three-week <laughs> absence, wow. the Athletics' Daniel Popper. patient. He makes his, day, or his, his return to Jacksonville. Return. Yes, and returned to the podcast. 
because there's a conspiracy theory floating around Twitter that I'd been banned from the podcast because of my <laughs> criticism of Philip Rivers, the Chargers fan base's number one player. Is it true? It's da- not true. I'm back. Daniel's back. He, he okay. is back. Jeff he? can attest to this. Jeff Jeff is tried and true on this on this roundtable. We do it anywhere. We've done it in closets at Air Force. We've done it without a roundtable, like we're doing similar to today. Yeah, we are. Again, we're doing a, minus, a model of consistency over here. He's a model of consistency. Guys, let's rewind for a little bit just to, to last week. Chargers followed four and eight. It's just not what everybody was expecting. And these close games, they won all these games last year. They won all of them last year. You know, they went 12 and four. The, the Seattle game. The San Francisco game, the Kansas City game, Tennessee. the Pittsburgh game, the Tennessee game. Those are just off the top of my head. Uh, it just hasn't gone their way this year. Yeah, that's the reality. I actually wrote about this after the game. Like, you, you go through what happened last year. They had, like you said, the Seahawks game where they, you know, stopped them at the goal line. You had a, the two-point conversion against Kansas City, at, at the, you know, with four seconds left. You had the Tennessee game where Tennessee scored and tried a two-point conversion, and they stopped that, stopped the team from doing exactly what they did. They just got every break last year. And it's just not shaking out this year. And, and guys in the locker room talk about how, you know, winning is contagious. It's obviously cliche, but so is losing. Losing is contagious, too. And, you know, Keenan Allen was telling me you get to those end-of-game situations. And last year, they wanted to be in those situations. They are like, we, once we get in that situation, we know we're going to win the game. And this year, they're in those same situations, and it's a whole here-we-go-again vibe. And they don't have that same kind of confidence. And, and it affects, you know, people want to look at, you know, strictly numbers and metrics, but there is a human element to sports, and, mm-hmm. you know, when you get in those situations, having the confidence to get the win and knowing you're going to get the win, that matters. And that's what the, that's the mentality they had last year. That's the confidence they had this year. And it's missing. It's the exact opposite in 2019 for whatever reason. Jason, I think it's getting these three phases all on the same page on the same Sunday. You know, we, we saw it in Green Bay or against Green Bay about a month ago. And then you thought that that may have been like the tipping point, right, to get to December playing meaningful football. And these last three weeks have just been tough losses. Yeah, there's a, there's a big delineation between that game against the Packers and most of the other games that they've had this season in which the game against the Packers was never close. The Packers didn't reach the end zone until late in the fourth quarter. This is more of a kind of game we've seen under Anthony Lynn the last two years, right? which I mean 17 of the last 25 games under Lynn have been decided by eight points or less, so by a possession or less. And it's really hard to consistently win games that way. And you pointed out last year, they had so many of those games go their way. But at some point, the law of averages comes at you. If you're mm-hmm. going to continue to play games where you can't create that separation on the scoreboard, it's going to come back and haunt you. So as as Popper was saying, winning can be contagious, but losing can too. There were some games though last year where they were blowing teams out as well. I mean, when you win 12 of them, you're going to have some close ones. But they did blow some teams out last year. And even the year before, I go back to like that 30-point win over the Bills, the 28-6 game over the Cowboys. This team has that in them. It's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page at the same time. Yeah, they. it's funny when you go back to training camp. I remember asking a lot of guys this off-season program training camp about that, this magical late game thing that they had going on and everybody always said one year doesn't go to the next year it doesn't that doesn't mean we heard that a lot last year and And it couldn't be more true in the nfl yeah and and these guys have gone out of their way to prove that that (laughs) is the case because it is the exact opposite of what we saw last year and i don't know how much of it i I don't know whether they have this sinking feeling at at the end of these games i i I don't know how much that plays into it it must play into it some on some level you would think but uh yeah, you know, we saw it in that Green Bay game. Is that you know Green Bay is really good. I think mm-hmm. everybody can agree with that. This, that's a good team. It's going to go to the playoffs, and they could do some damage there. And these guys dominated them. And I think a, a big part of it, a lot of these games, and last week's game is no exception. They they fall behind. They just get in this habit of they fall behind, and then they claw back. And Philip Rivers mentioned it. We always come back, and and then. They end up doing the end of these games. This year, it's just been they they claw back, and then something calamitous happens at the end, and it's just they walk up the field defeated again. For me, it just comes down to the turnovers. Like When you have a negative 10 turnover differential, you're not going to win a ton of games. But the crazy part of this whole thing is they have a positive point differential on the season. They're four and eight crazy. and they have yeah. more, they've scored more points than they've let up on the season. And look at those teams at the it's, bottom of the division, their point differential. It's like, Oh yeah. So minus 89 I looked or this minus hundred. Yeah. Three other teams with four and eight records. The Jags have a negative 79 point differential. The Jets have a negative 72 different 
point differential. And then the Broncos are also 4-8. They have a negative 39-point differential. Wow. And here are the Chargers with a plus 3-point differential. They've played well enough to be better, but it's just the timing of some of these turnovers that have just been absolutely killer. I mean, whether you're talking about turnovers early in the game that get you in a huge hole, which has happened numerous times this season, or turnovers late in games that, that end up screwing you, whether it's Phil throwing that pick in Detroit, whether it's Melvin fumbling at the goal line in, in Nashville, the timing of these turnovers have been absolutely brutal. The, the, how many they've committed has been absolutely brutal, and then just the lack of turnovers being forced on the defensive side of the football, you end up with a negative 10 turnover, turnover differential. And you look at the turnover differential rankings every season, and that will pretty much line up with how good teams are yep. and, and what the record is. The Patriots are plus 18 in the season. What's the record? 10 and 2. Yep. You know? Stats don't equate to wins. And if you looked at some of these stats, like what Austin Eckler's doing, Mike Williams is like 20.9 yards per catch. Leads the league, yeah. Leads the league. Keenan Allen. I mean, you look at some of these offensive numbers, you look at Joey's numbers, um, and you'd be like, all right, the, the Chargers are probably right in this thing, you know? But that's why stats could be deceiving, Jason. Yeah, I, th- I think this really goes to illustrate that this is a really talented team, and it's not that different than the team was last year, only those close games, as we discussed. Eventually, if you're playing that many of them, it's, it's just going to hurt you. Whereas if they were able to create a little more separation, if they weren't playing as many contests in which the ultimate result was a win or a loss by eight or less points, then they would have a better record. And they definitely have the potential to do that. I think we all agree that this is not a team, talent-wise, that is commensurate with a 4-8 and record, but those turnovers have made them a team that plays so many of those close games. And again, just you can't do that. But in the NFL, they're also just... It's a one-score league. You talk to guys about sort of what's been happening this season. Guys will tell you it's it's a one-score league. Like basically, most games are going to come down to one possession. Most games are going to be have that kind of differential in the score margin of victory is never going to be that great. Like you, you very rarely do you see massive blowouts. I mean, unless you you're talking oh, about like oh the, sure right like 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 you have to have a really really good team. You have to be like the Ravens of this year where you're just. Blowing teams out. Yeah, and your scheme is so much better than everyone else. You have t- more talented players. You have a player like Lamar Jackson who's more dynamic than anyone, anyone we've seen. Uh, you know, most games, though, are going to be close because the talent difference isn't that great between teams typically. Most games, but 17 out of 25 is a much higher rate than Yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. If you play that many close games, eventually the ball's not going to bounce your way. And that's, that's what we're seeing this season, you know. Injuries every year, every team can go back and be like, hey, this key player was injured for X amount of games. It was a blow to our season. I look at Derwin James, Mike Pouncey, Russell Coon as the three players that played all 16 games last year. All three of them went to the Pro Bowl, you know, or Russell was a Pro Bowler the year before, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're Pro Bowl two, caliber two straight players. Years, 16, yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah they're all Pro Bowl caliber players. To lose those guys, especially offensively, um, but from a defensive perspective, the fact that they haven't been getting the football to kind of compensate for maybe turning the ball over. I think that's a big part of this, too. The, the plus 12, Daniel, that you mentioned, the Patriots, that's how you win games in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would So I would argue there's a fourth injury in there that is equally as important as, as, as those other three, and that's Adrian Phillips. And here's yeah, why. It's true. Because once you lose Derwin, you have depth there to replace him at strong safety, which is a very crucial position in Gus Brasley's scheme. You have Adrian Phillips, who's widely regarded as one of the smartest guys on this team, football guys, period and you have him there to back up Derwin at strong safety. And you can move ahead, and maybe you don't have a defensive player of the year type guy at strong safety, but you have a very, very capable guy playing that position. Once Adrian gets injured and is out for an extended period of time and goes on IR, now you're scrambling. Now you got Roderick Teamer, an undrafted guy, playing that strong safety spot. You don't have a guy at that strong safety spot who's getting guys in position and communicating the way Derwin and Adrian both do. Um, and then and that's why you see, you look at the one defensive stat that sticks out is their third down percentage. And I have it right here because I wrote about it. But 2018, 39.11% of the time they're getting off the field on third down. Um, that's 18th in the league. That jumps to 44% this season. They're worse on third down. And you look at the strong safety spot, that's crucial on those, those, those third down offensive situations. So I look at Adrian Phillips' injury as huge this season. It's big. And there was a, a surplus of DBs in the playoffs last year. Remember how they played Lamar? And Doug? They didn't have any linebackers. Uh, one of the linebackers that has started to come on as a rookie, Drew Tranquil, had three tackles for loss against the Broncos. He's made flashes throughout the season, whether on special teams or defense. I think we're starting to see a guy who could be a uh, big central piece in this defense in 2020, Jeff. Yeah, I think that's their hope, and that, that, that I think they're very pleased at, at that pick. I mean, you look at their draft, hasn't been hasn't produced a whole lot this season. I, I think Compared to the year before, too. I yeah, mean, absolutely, Especially compared to the year before. 
But um, that's one pick that they, I think you you can't criticize or you can't second guess that pick at all. That's a turn. It's it's been a great pick. I think they're delighted with what they they've seen from him. I think we all expected him to be a good special teams player, which he is. But you know he can go in there in defense and. He, He's flying around making plays, and I think they are very happy with that pick. And I, I think he's a guy. I know Anthony Lynn earlier this year uh, said about Tranquil. He's you know he's going to be a guy that's in this league for a long time, and I think they would be just delighted if he was here for a long time. Yeah, and to that point, because of the way they run their defense, getting more speed on, on the linebacking level is important. And with Denzel Perryman dealing with his injuries this season, Thomas Davis entering what, the 16th, 17th year of his career, somewhere around there, having someone like Tranquil who can play a lot of snaps, and he has at this point played a lot of snaps, and, have, and bring that kind of athleticism is, is I mean, it really is a field-tilting addition for them. Yeah, and also just his, his background as a safety in college, he's excellent in coverage, so they trust him out on the field in those dime packages uh, where he's the lone linebacker in the field and oftentimes is getting matched up with a running back or, or a tight end. Um, they feel like he's capable in coverage, and that allows them to do a lot more uh, with those with those dime packages, those sub packages, getting more defensive backs in the field, which Gus Bradley likes to do in those those third and long situations, second and long situations. What do you guys want to see out of this team in December? Obviously, at four and eight, you get the Jaguars who are four and eight on Sunday. From a developmental standpoint, any specific players that you're going to have eyes on that you want to see? Well, and it, it could be someone like Derwin James, who we saw have an All Pro year. What he brings to the defense and how he's going to get better. I, I almost liken it to. You would hope how how Melvin got better each and every game. That was his first game back. He didn't play preseason, and he played all but one snap. It's crazy. Yeah, for me, I'm watching Philip Rivers because his contract is up after the season, and they need to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, can he limit the turnovers, and can he start converting in the red zone? Because that's the key to me. And so I'll be watching him, and then you know, sort of in concert with that is, is Shane Steichen and how the offense is. You know, they've been moving the ball well, but can they start? converting in the red zone and I think that will be sort of very key in terms of determining do you stick with Phil next season and also do you stick with Shane Steichen as your offensive play caller next season too so that's what I'm watching the rest of the way I think it's gonna that's the most important thing moving forward for this team you know you need a quarterback yeah in this league period what about you Joe uh, I'd like to see him win a game uh, and I'd, I'd like to see him play well and I think this weekend you know they have an opponent that they they should be able to beat I mean how many times have we said that I think they're by the way, they are like one and five, one and six. They're, I think they've won one of the last five or six games they've been favored in. I would not feel comfortable making these guys a favorite over anybody right now. But I, I, I would love to see these guys play it, just like go out there and just, you know, knock these guys around Sunday and play like we think they have, you know, just to see if it's there. See, you know, it just, just to kind of, I mean, we saw they, really the Green Bay game is the only game where they play really well. And it, it, I'd like to see them do that against a team that they should beat, and just to kind of see what it, get a, get a sense of what like last year was like again, because I it seems like it's in there somewhere, and it, I think it would just do everybody wonders, and it, it do it, I think they would just feel a lot better about themselves if they could go out there and do that. The human element that you mentioned is very real, and I, and I use the Ravens again as an example when they beat the Rams. The offense was feeding off the defense. Oh, yeah. they, the special teams is lights out. They, they trust Justin Tucker last week, uh, kicking that field goal in the rain against the 49ers. All three phases believe in each other and feed off each other, and that's why you're seeing them blow teams out the way that they are. Yeah, all of that is true. I'm going to focus, I mean, the Philip Rivers thing is the most important because of what he means to the franchise, but related to that is the play of the offensive line, and in particular, the play of some of those interior players. You know, we, we talked about Rivers is in the last year of his contract, and you know, Melvin Gordon is in the last year of his contract, but Michael Schofield's also in the last year of his contract, and he's been the most reliable offensive lineman they've had in terms of availability, in terms of performance. He's rock solid, and those kind of players tend to get a lot of opportunities on the open market. So if he plays well, does the team just say, okay, we have to find a way to retain him? Do they look at some of their other offensive linemen? You know, Dan Feeney has played a number of positions. Can he step up and maybe be the center of the future? I know he's not playing there now. Can he go back to guard full-time and be one of those guys? Because, you know, Forrest Lamp, someone who's not playing right now, figures to be a part of that equation, too. So there's all these moving parts of the offensive line that relate to Rivers' performance and what the team is going to look like next year. Are you going to the parade? The Daniel Popper homecoming parade. Mm-hmm. The uh, 
I'm actually organizing this. Eleven. I, I thought it was. <laughs> an, I thought it was a secret. Eleven. Right. Eleven p.m. Cat out of the bag, huh? Starts at eleven uh, p.m. All right, let us outside know. Lynch's all right, pub. Listen, we don't get to Jacksonville often. What are we doing, okay. Daniel? Food. <laughs> Safe Harbor Seafood, right over the bridge, near the Intercoastal. It's a like commercial fishing company, but they have two places where they serve food. Get your Mayport shrimp there. It's the best shrimp in the world. Mayport shrimp. It's the little like peninsula at the top of Jacksonville area. Great shrimp. They got fresh fish every day. You get your captain, uh, you know, combo, and you get your fried, get your fried shrimp. Get your blackened fresh fish. You go red snapper, mahi, whatever they got there that day. You get some hush puppies, some fries. Get a little green beans in there. All right. Nice IPA, and you're good to go for the day. Okay, this guy's um, from New York, by the way. If you, Mr. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Florida Seafood. Yeah, I, I, I was not even in Jacksonville <laughs> for a catch, year. Are we yeah. catching it? Are we I catching had to the break, fish ourselves? I had to break my lease in Jacksonville before I got to a year, so I could move to Los Angeles. So that's just just to keep that in mind when you're hearing all this. Um, but then, if you want to, like, you know, go out a little bit. You know, <laughs> head to the beaches, Lynch's Pub, great dive bar, live music every night. Okay. Um, now, the one thing is, in Florida, it's, and in Jacksonville, you can still smoke indoors after 9 p.m., so just be aware of that when you're in bars. Um, but yeah, Lynch's Pub, Safe Harbor Seafood. like Rick And then if you want to look, well, I yeah. mean, like, Rick you guys Steve's read me every week. I clearly have a passion for food and drink. Yeah. I, but, I have uh, not seen him this animated, and I've seen him talk about tacos before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, there's some good, really nicer, some nicer places in like Atlantic Beach area. You can go to Coop 303, best fried chicken I've ever had. North Beach Fish Camp has some good stuff. Wow. Uh, good fish there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, it was a good town. It was fine. It was a good place to spend, you know, eight, 10 you months. Do any of this, Jeff? months. You going to do any of this, You going to do any of this? Jeff has yet to meet me for a beer on the road, by the way. I think it's because he's Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, next question, please. <laughs> we'll end it there, guys. That was fun. <laughs> Week 14, Jacksonville. Jason, Daniel, Jeff, appreciate the time. All right, that'll do it for us. A big thanks to the beat writers, John Reed and Daniel Jeremiah, for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to subscribe to the all new Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We're now on Spotify and SoundCloud. So wherever you listen, Chargers Podcast Network's there. Enjoy the game Sunday, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.